Brokeback Mountain was pretty good. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? I, I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Mm, me neither, but I assume it's good. <laughs> Marcus Welby, MD, and the Dick Cavett Show will not be seen tonight so that we may bring you live color coverage of the 42nd Annual Awards of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Style Guide Podcast with your host Dave Morris and Stephen Ray. Or how are you today, Stephen? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself, Dave? I'm doing good. Did you like my announcer voice? Was it okay? See, it was great because you started off doing the intro different than we usually do it. I changed it up. And then I tried to say something different, but I said the same thing I always say. That's how we do. I do things different. I do things different and you always make us be the same. That wow, that's that makes me seem like a downer, Dave. <laughs> I know I just blamed you for everything. Anyway, uh, I was trying my announcer voice because I wanted to sound like a like an Oscar announcer because that's what we're talking about today. Of course, is the Oscars, the Academy Awards. Yeah, and uh, that's what we're talking about: the Oscars or Academy Awards. Not any particular winners or any particular. Uh, year or any particular even idea or concept associated with the Oscars, just the Oscars as a giant abstract. Well, you know, we we thought we'd take on something like a nice small topic this this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Are you? I am. I am. I originally when I envisioned doing this, I have I have always idealized the Oscars. Like I've always thought that they. They were a great sort of concept, and I, and I've thought that you know it's a it's a great way of finding out what the what the pinnacle of cinema every year is, and as I've gotten older, it I've more and more been removed from that idea, to to the point where now I just I I, I look at the Oscars as oh, okay that's a list of films that maybe I should watch this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that is the whole uh, the whole idea of the oscars anyway in the very at the very beginning like hey these are the best movies we're rewarding like hey these movies are great so everyone you should go see these movies yeah if you haven't if you haven't already seen them yeah although apparently you know um kubrick and hitchcock never won uh, best director oh, two wow. of two of probably the best directors of all time neither of them won so you know how how much of the best can we say that it is that's true and russell crowe has won more than one Okay, you you will not you will not insult Gladiator on this podcast. Oh, I I think uh, this podcast is the one where I'm allowed to, uh, <laughs> because like like uh, uh, I personally here's my personal experience with the Oscars. I think as a teenager I would watch them because it seemed like you know when you're a teenager and you don't have much of a life, it's a thing to do, and you can talk about movies at school with everybody. Uh, so I watched the Oscars, and it was in, I think it was 2000, that Gladiator won. Or was it 99? Uh, 99 would have been, was that American Beauty? I don't know. That's yeah, you're I'm right. Two, yeah, 2000 is, is Gladiator, 99 is American Beauty. Yeah, because 99 was a really good year for the Oscars. Uh, it was a great year for the Oscars. And then 2000, yeah, Gladiator won. Over other movies. Uh, and then A Beautiful Mind won the next year. And that was when I was like, okay, I can't watch the Oscars anymore. Okay, so I won't argue with you that A Beautiful Mind is a terrible pick. But the movies that year that were nominated for Best Picture 
Moulin Rouge, The Fellowship of the Ring, Gosford Park, A Beautiful Mind. Uh, yeah, and this is, and Moulin Rouge just should have won it because it was a great film. <laughs> no, it is not. I I do not believe that Baz Luhrmann's musical whatever is is the best picture which is not to say that i think a beautiful mind is the best <laughs> yeah, picture but <laughs> but let, let, let's not call moulin rouge like the pinnacle of cinema um uh, for that year uh looking at those picks definitely moulin rouge uh and then the next year chicago won which reasonable which, pick but well, it see, won think, over gangs of new york which was a pretty incredible film it really was. Or The Pianist, which was also a great film. Yeah. And so, again, I lost. I kept losing faith in the Oscars. And then in 2003, in 2003. Oh, I know. Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King won. And that was officially the end. Like, Lost in Translation, clearly that year, that was the best film of the year. Like, clearly. it was. Clearly and, the best film of the year. And, and Lord of the Rings won as a trilogy. Not because Return of the... Because, okay... I'm not I'm not a Lord of the Rings hater like you are, but I'm definitely not going to say that Return of the King is the it like as a film is the best film of that year. There's no there's no leg to stand on there. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing. And I think Chicago won because Moulin Rouge didn't win the year before. Yeah, and they felt bad about it. They're like, we should have given it to the funky, cool musical. Yeah, it's uh, so so like the Oscars since then, I have not really watched uh, any of them. And uh, I don't even know if I've seen many of the best picture nominees since then. Uh, the only time I really re- like think about the Oscars is when something I really care about gets nominated and then doesn't win. <laughs> okay, like like what? what? Can you think of something where that happened recently? Um. Yeah. Well, it reads like since I stopped watching the Oscars. So like when yeah. something like uh like uh, what was the one like Juno got nominated for best film and I was like that's great like Juno like it's a oh. comedy and stuff and it got nominated like that's so cool and then it, of course No Country for Old Men won so yeah not doesn't have a chance but I'm glad it got nominated and I wanted it to win or uh or when Inglorious Bastards got nominated. Or even right. I think this that same year they nominated like a hundred, hundred freaking people um, for best picture, including uh, Up. Uh, was which that was the year they nominated? Movie. That was the year they nominated Avatar as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Which was a bad pick, but um, but that year let's look at it right here. I got it in front of me. Like the Hurt Locker, Avatar, The Blind Side, District Nine, and Education, Inglorious Bastards. Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, and then A Serious Man, Up, and Up in the Air. Now, of those, I liked Up in the Air a lot as a film. I liked mm-hmm. Up a lot as a movie, uh, as a film. And I liked Inglorious Bastards a lot as a film. And then The Hurt Locker one, which I'd never seen, but I think they couldn't not give it to it because it was so emotional. So, is it The Hurt Locker? Good film. Not, I'm not I'm not going to slag that. I, I mean, is it the best of those films? Uh probably not but when my my biggest problem is when things like avatar get nominated even like Mm -hmm. that's that's that tells me that there's not a lot of thought going into this because like you if i'm not mistaken you watched avatar on a plane no i didn't i went into the theaters and watched it okay and hated my hated my life for a couple hours yeah because like 
it, and they're turning it into a franchise as well. So there's going to be Avatar 2, 3, and 4. And it's just... For me, it would be like nominating Iron Man 2. Like, <laughs> it was a popular film, and lots of people liked it. But is it the best picture? No. Not not even remotely. And, yeah. And like, so, Avatar is, is uh, nominated for, like, best uh, visual effects or something like that? Or... or our best sound or something like that. Great. Totally. It was really well put together technically as a film. Yeah. But when it comes to like the best picture, as in like the best all overall, including storytelling, uh, when Avatar gets nominated, you're like, oh man, what's going on here? Against something like, like Up or Up in the Air, which had great overall, everything was really well done. Uh, yeah. It just sort of it just sort of breaks your heart a little bit, you know. But I, I would say the same is true of things like um, things like Inception getting nominated for best film, or yeah. uh, or or what else? What are some other weird ones that get nominated that you're like, what? Really? That got nominated? That was American Sniper. American last year. Sniper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gravity. Well, and I think one of best, the things best picture, <laughs> Gravity. <laughs> Was the best picture. Gravity is one of those divisive films. And this year, I think... Gravity. The, uh, <laughs> the one on, on that list was The, the Martian, where, where, the, where there are some people who are saying The Martian is just gravity, but without any stakes and any likable uh, characters whatsoever. And then there are other people who say the, the Martian is like gravity, but actually a good and compelling film. Yeah, so, so it's this weird, weird back and uh, forth. But I feel like this year's would have been uh, Mad Max Fury Road. But uh, see, it, it wasn't so much divisive. It was there are people who thought that it was the best film of the entire of our entire generation, and then okay. everyone else who was just like, "Yeah, it's a it was film. fun. Yeah, it was really, really fun to watch and really great. Again, technicals, music, uh, visuals were really beautiful. The costumes were fantastic. Everything about that movie was really fun. But best film. Best picture, like the best. Of well, the I don't. Year? Well, I don't know. Look, take take a look at that list. So you haven't seen most of the films on that list, but Mad I think Max Mad Fury Max Fury Road is the only one I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I think Mad Max Fury Road might be the longest lasting film on that list. Hmm. Like I enjoyed The Martian. I enjoyed The Revenant. Room had a compelling compelling actress in it. Brooklyn probably won't endure. Bridge of Spies might be Steven Spielberg's last movie or last good movie, but that will be the only reason. Spotlight and The Big Short are two examples of like this recent history genre of film, and they're definitely like people are going to forget about those a year from now, let alone you know ten years. Whereas Mad Max Fury Road, I think people will be watching that movie for a decade. Does that make it the best picture? I guess it does. Well, I like that. that that's like, part of the thing about the the yeah this criteria, is, this or the, the the film. Yeah, this is the thing with the Oscars. Is like, what is what's their their criteria for best picture? Because when things like Avatar get nominated for best picture, you've got to think that that means that part of what makes it the best picture is box office sales or public opinion or something like that. Um, that that influences their picks, not just the film on the merits of the film. Uh, and I understand that technical uh, ability should be part of it, like how well made is the film. But there's got to be an artistic element to it as well. Definitely. 
So when something like Avatar makes the cut, it's like, oh man, it must have made the cut just because it's <clears throat> technical. Of the, the like the things it did to push the boundaries of filmmaking must have been that spectacular. Well, so here's my question, and and this is, I mean, I'm sure you don't have an answer because it, it's hard to even gauge. But when was the last time a flop got nominated for best picture, like a movie that wasn't uh, that didn't have box office success? Um, I don't know if that's ever happened. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but like. It like I'm just looking over this list and like extremely loud and incredibly close only made you know 15 million on top of its budget, but like when was the last time a movie didn't make make money but was a critical was enough of a critical darling that it it got the nomination? And no, I, I don't I don't know I don't know. And I think that gets to your point of there has to be some degree of like just popular appeal for it to win. Or to get nominated, mm-hmm. I, I guess. I, I guess the reason that that's significant is the way that they structure it. Is the ballot is like people choose the ballot. Like it's not like, like it's not like you're you're selecting movies just based on what you've heard of them. It's you the the Academy watches the films and then they choose the films that they think are the the deserving, and so those ones get nominated. And so it has to kind of be popular enough for for that at the very least yeah but does popular appeal necessarily like how much does popular appeal tie into you know this this final result of the best picture of the year yeah and i guess to me i don't i don't know if if the popularity of the film through the eyes of the public should factor into it uh i think it's the uh, the craft of filmmaking is what should be being upheld here and awarded for. And so the people giving out the awards should be uh, connoisseurs of film, people who understand cinema uh, uh, and the art of filmmaking. And that that's why they should be giving it out, not just because it was popular. Yeah, and I think, I mean... This this is one of the reasons why this most recent uh, Oscars was so controversial because um, because you know it was a very white white Academy Awards and you know the Academy has a very I mean it's made up of a very large amount of uh, white people and I think white men predominantly something like you know eighty percent of the Academy is just a bunch of white dudes yeah totally and and so. There's a particular perspective that is being enforced and then reinforced through the nominations and and the selections of who wins. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, on the one hand, the idea should be, well, okay, we're we're trying to get to the film that was just the overall best. But on the other hand, how what kind of criteria are the people who are selecting it coming into it with? And I mean, they call them awards of merit, but like how you know they're it's it's not they say best they say best picture mm-hmm. but like it's a, as if that that's a meaningful criteria yeah and i mean it's also a the politics play into it as well mm-hmm. so like you like you made the the point that lord of the rings return of the king was only nominated because the trilogy was such a big successful thing yeah and not because it was a good movie, because it was the worst of that series, I think. 
And that says a lot because the two towers is in there too. Um, but uh, it was like the worst of those three. And it got nominated? Yep. I mean, the Fellowship yeah, I, of the Ring, which was the, clearly the best of the three. They all got nominated. Did they all get nominated? They all got nominated. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, but did it win Return of the King? Uh, Return of the King is the one that won. Yeah, which is wrong. Um, <laughs> but, Categorically. But then you have things like Leonardo DiCaprio this year winning. Uh, and I haven't seen The Revenant, but I'm sure mm-hmm. he did fine in it because he's a fine actor. Mm-hmm. But he's been like, uh, what's the term, chasing the Oscar for for the last few years? Like The Wolf of Wall Street. And uh, what did he do last, last time? Did he do anything else last time? Uh, he, he did The Departed and Blood Diamond. He did... Uh, yeah, like The Departed, Wolf of Wall Street. Like he's been trying to do these big roles that get him into the Oscar like spotlight to to get an oscar for best actor so he's taking on these crazy uh more more intense roles and that's how you win an oscar is not by playing a character really well and doing good acting but by playing a role that is that that looks super intense not necessarily good well okay so i mean I, I think it would be hard to deny that that leo is to a degree chasing the oscar but i mean at, at the same time, I mean, Leo, I think, is a fantastic actor. I think that in in the films that he he does, he is, he is compelling. He embodies a role, and um, in in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Daniel Day Lewis in in how he really becomes characters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're I think that they're both examples of of fantastic actors, and 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 I think worthy of the title best actor. Yeah, sure. I, I I agree with that statement, but I don't know. Is the Revenant the one that did it for him? Like, is well, that the one that that shows him the the best of his acting ability? I think probably the film where he did the best in, he didn't get nominated for. It was uh, The Departed. He was great in The Departed. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that was probably his best film, and instead that year he got nominated for Blood Diamond. Yes, he did get nominated for Blood Diamond. So it is like it is like we should give Leo an Oscar. Is kind of what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, also, like, who who is he up against this year? He was up against Michael Fassbender and Steve Jobs. Don't know if you saw it. Fassbender no, was not. Fassbender was good, but like, eh, was it an amazing role? No. Matt Damon in The Martian. Matt Damon lost in space. Like, that's you. You don't need much there. Brian Cranston in Trumbo. Apparently, it was you know a decent critical darling movie, but you know Brian Cranston's best role probably is still Walter White on Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. So it was him and Eddie Redmayne for the Danish Girl, and Eddie Redmayne won last year. So yeah, yeah, but I, I guess when I look at the Oscars more and more, it's like, well, I think they give the the they're giving them the Oscar because they haven't been given an Oscar yet, and they should not necessarily I, for that specific role. I mean, I, th- I think that, that that sometimes happens, but I think that, um, I mean, you, in any sort of uh, award award ceremony with kind of this sort of subjective nature to it, I mean, it, what kinds of things can you, like, how do, how do you ultimately judge? Yeah, I know. And this is something I wanted to talk about on this podcast, is this just like putting numbers on artistic expression. And by numbers, I mean awards. Like how do you how do how do you choose that something is better than something else if it's not simply a subjective you liked it better? Well, and I think that this is particularly an important question. Like when you com- so like 
let, let's look at 2009, where Inglorious Bastards got nominated, and Avatar got nominated, and Up got nominated. Mm-hmm. How, how do you possibly compare those three movies? Like, yeah, I don't like, know. Like, I, like they're, they're so radically, re, radically different. They take on completely different storytelling styles. They have completely different conventions that they're trying to adhere to. Like, it's, I mean, you can say whether you like one more, sure. You can say which one had a better story, I guess, or... Um, or which one had stronger acting or whatever, but like it's like that that just seems like a, a fool's errand to try and take those three movies and put them next to each other. Yeah, and it's like we aren't even looking at like what's the best action film of the year and best comedy film of the year because then it'd be a little easier to look at look at the individual things and kind of decide which one is better. But simply best picture, like that's like saying like what is the best color in the universe. Uh, I don't know. They're all totally different colors. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that was the thing. Like, they used to have a best comedy. And, like, they started off with a best comedy. And then I think best picture was the other genre. Yeah. Mom um, drama or whatever. Yeah, or so, something like that. And, and now they've kind of melded it into one. And I think think that that becomes even more of an issue in this you know post i guess 2009 era where they moved to up to 10 nominees yeah they're like when you when you look at the prior winners you go okay frost nixon milk the reader curious case of benjamin button and slumdog millionaire though sorry not winners nominees in 2008 like that's a that's a reasonable selection like slumdog millionaire seems a little bit off from from the rest of those films and hey look it won but yeah like it's you can kind of see you you can see that these movies are somewhat comparable but like no country for old men won over juno i like both of those films i there is no world in which i can reasonably compare those two films they're so different from each other like a coming of age story that that is this satirical uh, take on on young womanhood and yeah, a magical realism narrative in like revenge narrative like so yeah so different how do you compare those or like little miss sunshine and the departed <laughs> how could you possibly choose between those how could you possibly lost in translation in the return of the king gangs in new york and chicago all of these like how do you compare those movies to each other uh, Aaron Brockovich and Gladiator. Maybe you can compare those to each other. Crouching <laughs> Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Aaron Brockovich. Good luck making a <laughs> distinction. <laughs> so, I mean, and I guess, like, uh, uh, we we like awarding people for successful things. You know, we like to know which one's the best, and we like to to say that our movie that we liked best is the best picture of the year. Is that why it... it uh, why we um why we compare these things even though they're totally incomparable well i mean i think there's a i i don't think it's completely without merit to have these kinds of awards things and i think um i think particularly as as kind of explorations of the craft i think that they're really useful to raise the sorts of questions that you get from trying to compare two different works of art or three different works of art right like that's in some ways what this entire podcast is about, right? Like we 
we like to to find what connects things and what works about certain things and what doesn't work about certain things. And so in that way, like as as a collective learning experience, it's great. And and as a kind of collective celebration of of the individuals and the teams that create things that that I think, too, is is of value. But mm-hmm. like there gets to be this point where it kind of happens in a vacuum, like the the result of the of this year's, you know, Oscars comes out on Oscar night and and we all retreat to our, you know, Internet silos where we have the discussions about, oh, well, it's devastating that Mad Max Fury Road lost and every and it shows that the Oscars are completely nonsense or whatever. And it doesn't like there's no. We're not part of the dialogue that's making the choice. We're part of the dialogue after the fact debating the choice. Yes. And and I guess that just seems weird to me where it's like, oh, well, it's. I mean, it seems like the most important part would be maybe the the investigation beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, to me, like a lot of what our podcast is about is about finding out what makes something what it is, you know, like what makes a Wes Anderson film a Wes Anderson film? Uh, how does Tarantino make his films feel so Tarantino? And so to me, it's like with the Oscars, it's like what what makes a best picture? Like if we were to look at the best pictures for the last... I don't know, however many years. Could we find a pattern that lets us know what makes the best picture? Spotlight, Birdman, 12 Years a Slave, Argo, The Artist, The King's Speech, The Hurt Locker, Slumdog Millionaire, No Country for Old Men, The Departed. Do they have something in common yet? See, and that, I mean, that's, I mean, they're, they're different, they're different genres, they're different film styles, they're, they're different topics, they... Mm -hmm. They have different actors, different directors, different, different lots of things. Although I haven't seen most of these, so I can't even tell you. <laughs> I have seen uh, almost all of them. I haven't yeah. seen 12 Years a Slave. But like all these uh, Best Picture winners, it's like, well, it just seems like they're giving them to the people they like for whatever reasons they like them. Like did Clint Eastwood win for Million Dollar Baby? Like did Million Dollar Baby win because it was Clint Eastwood making it and he deserved an Oscar for a bunch of his other work or was it because million dollar baby was actually a better movie than Ray or finding Neverland. Was it up against Ray? Really? Yeah. And the aviator as well, which was great. Uh, but see the aviator has this divisive nature to it. Cause it's mm. this, you know, long drag drag. Uh, blah. It's just, it's, this, it's this long film, but million dollar baby is actually a great example. Like d- did that win because Clint Eastwood directed it? Because it's a great film. Like, I, I think Million Dollar Baby is a fantastic film. And I think it probably won because Clint Eastwood was directing that film. Because it it says something that Clint Eastwood would direct a film that seems so outside of what Clint Eastwood would direct. Like, it's almost mm-hmm. like that sort of disparate uh, nature is what gives it to him. Which is yeah. not to say it's not a good film. It really is, but... Yeah, and like if we go back to the next year, the previous year, like we we all, I think we agree that Lord of the Rings: Return of the King didn't win because it was the best picture. It won because it was a set in a trilogy, and so instead of not like giving it to the rest of the trilogy, just giving it to that one, even though the movie's not very good. Yeah. So they, they it seems uh, it seems a little um, political. I'm not going to say political. I want to say arbitrary. 
with the best picture because uh, they aren't giving it out because of any anything that has to do with the title of the award. <laughs> They're not giving it out because it's the best picture of the year. They're giving it out for other reasons. Mm-hmm. So the name best picture should could just be called like, you know, the award you deserve, uh, the, the award we want to give to you. <laughs> like Crash. Crash one. Okay, but everyone pretty I think pretty much everyone agrees that Crash shouldn't have won that year. Yeah, what should have won? Brokeback Mountain, probably, or maybe Capote? Uh Capote was an excellent film. I really mm-hmm. liked that. Mm-hmm. Brokeback Mountain was pretty good. Yeah, did you enjoy it? I I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Mm, me neither, but I assume it's good. <laughs> well, see, and and like there the part of that is like so one of the one of the film critics that that I have most enjoyed is is uh, Roger Ebert. Of course, he uh, as, as far as as film critics go, I don't know if there's anybody better. And the man treated it like a full time job because mm-hmm. it was a full time job for him. But like he went into it, he he watched films enthusiastically. He watched them carefully he watched them at length he he tried to take each film seriously for itself and and i feel like if if he could each year choose a best could have chosen a best picture i would have i would have felt more comfortable saying saying that 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 he's got a definitive um that that he he's he stands a better shot of coming up with the best picture than the arbitrary academy award process Mm -hmm. like he's somebody who who lives film yeah 100 percent and or lived film 100 percent and i mean like and lived film the the like uh the art of film like the actual the the uh not just the business of filmmaking but the watching of movies and enjoying them or not yeah there there are some categories that you know just like they i mean they're still arbitrary in like what's the best sound editing yeah. But like it, they get more specific anyway, and and you you can in a sense start to really really pick those things apart because oh well if you're talking about sound editing as a category, I can I can compare films much more straightforward. It, yeah. Like if you and like they 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 once considered best casting as a category, which mm. on the one hand like I don't I don't care. I think that yeah. that's a dumb category. But on the other hand, like you, there are times where you can see excellent casting really shine through and where poor casting really is obvious. And so like those sorts of things have have more measurable criteria. But when we just say best best male actor or best picture or best like even best director seems like this arbitrary weird sort of award. Yeah, like the, those those things don't seem like they're grounded in anything particular. They're they're grounded in this kind of feeling. Yeah, but I mean that's like a, a lot of all of the awards are grounded in a feeling. Like like the sound editing and sound mixing. Like you can you can judge those based on like you know pretty object objective uh, things. How well did it sound? Right? <laughs> did it sound like those cars were really driving? Good. Like. Uh, but when it comes to things like costume design, it's like, well, isn't that just like your preference based on what you thought of the costume design and how it looked? Or are you really basing it on like the, the like, would a costume designer agree with you? Well, I mean, so, so let's, 
I mean, here here are the the best costume design winners for the last few years: <laughs> Fury Road, yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel, nice, Great Gatsby, cool, Anna Karina, mm-hmm. the artist Alice sure. in Wonderland. So that's the last few. So, um, I mean, so Mad you Max- can't win a costume design award unless you're doing some kind of fantastical fantasy or uh, period piece. Well, and there's a degree to which, like, like that makes almost sense, right? Like, <laughs> I guess, but you got to say there's some merit in choosing like the perfect costume for a teenager on a couch. You know, like if you look at Scott Pilgrim versus the World, those costumes are pretty dope. Okay, yeah, no, that I mean, I mean, ig- ignoring the way you said that, I can I can agree <laughs> with the sentiment of that. Yeah, um, sure. And and even then, like Scott Pilgrim versus the World does have a stylistic sense to it. Like let's yeah. let's take it one step further back and say, um, like um, Spotlight or The Big Short, two films this year. I mean, are they ever going to get nominated for best costume? Probably no. not, because they're rooted in like what's going on right now. And so there's a sense in which like some people would would go, oh well, you could have just chosen that, you know, off anyone's. Uh, out of anyone's closet whereas like the winners of best costume seem to really be the costumes you notice yeah the costumes have to stand out as opposed to the costumes that kind of fade away into in in into the background oh my lord of the ring like lord of the rings return of the king won best costume design of course didn't win everything that year yeah probably yeah i mean you also get it like i mean there's also um like uh like makeup like what makeup and hairstyling it's a it's oh is a that what's called makeup and hairstyling yeah it's like uh so again like uh i assume only if we go back it'll be very similar to what you just said uh where Max, it's a lot of uh, Grand Budapest, Les yeah. Mis, the iron lady the wolf man the wolf man <laughs> yeah like it's period pieces or like uh fantasy type things because that's the only place where the cost the makeup would actually even be judged yeah, I mean, so Dallas Buyers Club won a couple years ago, presumably because Matthew McConaughey played an emaciated. Why did it win? I don't know. Mm, but like he played he this emaciated AIDS AIDS patient, like, mm. and so it, you know, he had to. He, the The look was very particular in that. But I mean, yeah. here, here's so what also was like, nominated. Oh, sorry. No, go go. Ahead. What else? Was, what well, else was nominated? Dallas Buyers Club, Jackass presents Gra- Bad Grandpa, and The Lone Ranger. Those mm. were nominated for best. Uh, well, bad grandpa because he made himself look like a grandpa. A Lone Ranger because they made Johnny Depp look like a First Nations man. Uh, so it seems like yeah, you have to have you. We have to have noticed that there was makeup done for it yeah. to even be nominated, which I think is is just a is just a. I don't know. To me, it's like when I watch something, if I don't notice something, that means they did it really well. Like editing. If I'm noticing the editing of the film, then they probably edited it weird or wrong or it's taken me out of the movie because now I'm paying attention to how well it's been edited. And it should just, I shouldn't even notice it, you know. And so with this year, it's like film editing, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, sure. I don't I don't really remember noticing the editing in that, but I remember the movie feeling really great and it flowing really well. So nice work. That was a good pick. 
Um, but like costume design, it's like I noticed all of the costumes in Mad Max and thought about how crazy and, and insane they were to the point that it did take me out of the movie to comment on this crazy double guitar playing guy on the front of a truck and how cool they made her arm look and stuff. Like, uh, So it took me out of the movie because the costume design was so uh, there. Now, does that make it good costume design or does that make it bad costume design? Well, so my uh, my partner and I went and saw The Big Short uh, a couple weeks ago. And I remember about halfway through the film, I turned to her and I said, this is an amazing adapted screenplay. This might be the best adapted screenplay I have seen in years. Which, on, on the one hand, that means that I noticed it in the middle of the film enough to, to comment on it. How did you notice it was an adapted screenplay? Do you read the book or something? <laughs> so Yeah, it, it's, it's based on a book and it, the, 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 the book that it's based on is is about the financial crisis of, of 2007, 2008. Nice. And it's a nonfiction book. Great. <laughs> and so, like, they've turned this nonfiction book about, you know, the, the banking regulation crisis and turned it into an incredibly well-crafted, compelling, interestingly layered narrative um, about that same event with the, the same sorts of characters and that sort of stuff. And so, for me, it was... Like I could, I recognized just how impressive that that feat was. Mm. Like the 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 distance that they went from the nonfiction book to this this fictional story was was so impressive for me as I was watching it. Yeah, you could say the same thing about Pitch Perfect, which was based on a nonfiction book huh. um, about about touring through universities and this whole idea of acapella groups. And so they wrote a movie about it uh, and they made it like they made a story out of it and characters and stuff like that. So, again, pretty cool. So I, I see what you mean. That, that that sounds like a good pick. Yeah. And but but like so. So that's just an example of where I noticed it in the film and or, or while I was watching the film. Now, I mean, on the one hand, I don't want to say that I watch films differently than other people because I'm not a special snowflake. But on the other hand, like I, I, I acknowledge that maybe not everyone goes into the big short, you know, thinking about its relationship to the that which yeah. it's based on. And I was going to say this as well. Like the reason I was choosing costume design or makeup design is because I'm not a costume person. I don't know much about clothes or making clothes but i do know i have read books before so if i'm like watching something that is based on a book i have read i have more knowledge going into it and i i will be noticing that like as a as like an, a storyteller i i pay close attention to storytelling mechanics and like you know beats and stories so i do always notice those things uh and so i, I didn't want to use like something i don't even know if they have storytelling as a category but um but so something like film, like a, like editing or makeup, things that I don't normally notice. When I do notice them, I don't know if that makes them good. Like so for for you, like like so I say I went into an adapted screenplay that I had never read the book. I didn't even know it was an adapted screenplay, and halfway through, no, realized that this was an adapted screenplay. Does that make it good? <laughs> like like if, if I notice that it's adapted, that means they're like kind of pushing it in my face that it's an adapted screenplay through the whole thing. And maybe that means it's not good of <laughs> of a movie. Well, I think this is one of the reasons that I mean it's very I mean for for starters it's very hard for I think your average person to to go into something like the Academy Awards and and be able to say with any sort of definitive 
any sort any sort of uh, authority like oh well that's the best in that category even if they've seen all let's say they've seen all of the films in that category because I think that it requires more than just watching it like I think mm -hmm. it means you know going back into it and and analyzing it and and thinking it through carefully and I mean surprise surprise the philosopher says we have to think through things carefully but I mean I th I think that that's what makes that that's what makes it easier in some ways to get to okay well this is the best of these categories because i watched all of these films and i i i compared them and i put them in dialogue with each other and and this is what i came came up with mm -hmm. but we don't ever like we don't get the impression that that's what happens right yeah well you know i think i think what we're what what uh, you're starting to get to here which uh, is is i'm just going to use the word expertise Mm -hmm. So we have the Oscars so that people with expertise in filmmaking can give out awards. So when it comes to things like costume design and makeup design, I shouldn't be deciding who gets that because I'm not a costume designer or makeup designer. I don't know anything about costuming or makeup. Uh, so I trust that an expert costume designer or makeup makeup artist will will be able to discern which 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 one of these films did the best job of their thing. And the only reason I bring them up now is because I'm not one of those people. And when I notice the costume design, it doesn't feel good. It feels like they must have messed up because I'm paying attention to that and not the rest of the movie. Um, so in those places, I feel like expertise is super important. And so I feel like, like, and I think it shows that most people don't really care about who won the Oscar for sound mixing. <laughs> Nobody cares. That's not, if you go to any chat room right now, no one's arguing over sound mixing. Uh, yeah. But what everyone's arguing over is best picture because I do have expertise in what makes a movie great because what makes a movie great is completely based on personal opinion and preference. So everyone who has ever watched lots of movies is an expert in movie watching. And so when we watch best pictures and that win that don't deserve it, then we're all up in arms and outraged. So to to make this even worse, I just looked it up. So there are approximately 6,000 members of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences yep. who vote. We have no idea who those people are. It is, it is a completely secret list. Wow. We have no... So we, we, don't, we don't even know the criteria that they are selected Basing. on, <laughs> yeah. who it may be. Like, it's like just they people are, randomly choosing things. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, you know, quite a few of them are, you know, professionals who work in the field, you know, actors, directors, cinematographers, that sort of stuff. But it isn't clear, you know, the yeah. full like, roster of identities. Like it could be made up of people like Steven Spielberg and Quentin Tarantino, but it could also be made up of people like, um, I don't know, like uh, Brie Larson. Did she win an award this year? <laughs> She could be on that board. Who knows? Who knows? It's just people. But yeah, so like the the fact that, and, and I think the fact that uh, uh, we are not experts in most of these categories, and the one category we are experts in is Best Picture, uh, because there's no criteria for that other than which one did you think personally was the best. And actor and actress, there are uh, there are expert actors, you know, people that know a lot more about the craft of acting. Who should who who would maybe explain why Brie Larson's performance was better than everybody else's, and not just that I like Brie Larson, you know? 
Um, and same with direction. There is some directing techniques and things that 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 you need to be an expert in to understand how difficult or how impressive what they're actually doing is. Adapted screenplay is an interesting one because I don't understand. So what it's that best write. It's sorry, sorry. It's best writing in adapted screenplays and best writing in original screenplays. Those are the two categories. Yeah. And those are a little more, isn't it just whether or not it was a good written story? Well, but like the, the writing of, of an overall screenplay, I think it has, it's not just story. Mm-hmm. So like, like the Steve Jobs movie, the story of the Steve Jobs movie is who gives it. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not particular, like it's a story. Um, but the way that it's structured and the way that the, mm-hmm. the, the screenplay structures the entire film is actually really quite interesting. And, and so... Yeah, but then you do get into that question. Was that the screenplay or was that the editing? Well, and, and that's the thing. I think, and I think that when you're looking at screenplay, I think you, you have to actually look at the, the screenplay to judge that. Like you have to go, okay, well, how much of this is Aaron Sorkin you know, determining what works. And yes, I think you're right. Some of it comes out better with, you know, like, are you going to have a best, uh, best adapted screenplay, but a film that's terribly edited? Mm-hmm. I, I think that that would be surprising to have. Yeah. But I think that, I think that it becomes closer to something that you can judge on. But again, it's, it's, for me, it's the weirdness of just this kind of secret ballot where it just kind of goes in and goes out. And and what happens is, you know, the director that makes a, a best picture film or the whoever gets best female actor this year, that's a huge boost for their career. Mm-hmm. And that's what's weird about this, is that it's a way of kind of just selecting who we want to have a good couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we do... that. that I mean... It does that for the thing, the categories that people care about. Yes. Actor, actress, supporting actor, actress, direction, best picture. Uh, maybe screenplay, but barely, barely gets to screenplay. And then everything else after that makes no difference at all. Foreign language film, really? Like, people care about that in America? They don't. Nobody does. Let's be honest. Um, the score, like, uh, we might remember that that movie won best score but we won't remember who the person that wrote that score is uh the only one i can name is anio morricone because i'm looking at his name right now on the internet (laughs) and maybe if lion king won it but i don't think it did (laughs) well but there's a degree to which some of this isn't just about us right like so you're right i i actually couldn't name a single person who won best score Mm mm-hmm but does it have some sort of weight in Hollywood? And my guess is it probably does, you know? Yeah, probably. Does, does, does costume direction mean something for those people and the future of their career? It probably does. But, I mean, why do we make a big deal out of it? Like, if it's, if it's just, if it's an internal award largely, like a lot of these are, like, like yay, Mad Max won a bunch of technical awards do like is that something that we really are compelled to pay attention to and watch and makes us more likely to watch the film uh, maybe i don't think so no i don't th- like i don't i don't think so i think that it it like, means more for hollywood than it does for you or i yeah like when people say you know uh like like if someone said hey check out this movie it won seven oscars 
without telling you what those Oscars were, if it won seven of them, you'd watch it. You know, probably true. Regardless of what those seven Oscars are, because it was nominated and won a whole bunch of things, so it must have something good about it, unless it's the Return of the King. Um, so or the yeah, artist. I, yeah, and I mean, there's like here. Here's the other thing that you sort of touched on. With like which part of the Steve Jobs movie was Aaron Sorkin versus the people who adapted the screenplay versus the the did Aaron Sorkin adapt that screenplay? Did he I write mean, it? yeah, he wrote it. Yeah, he wrote based it based so, on the book by. Yeah. So how much is. of that film was the uh, adaptation of the screenplay versus the direction versus the um, cinematography versus all, all the all the categories that sort of bleed start bleeding together at a certain point. Uh, especially when you have like an auteur working on the film. So like when Tarantino's movie is up, it's like, well, he wrote it, directed it. He did the voiceover for it. Uh, he probably was in the editing room for most of it, even though he's not the editor. Yep. Uh, so like was uh, the credit, whoever got the credit for it is the one who wins the Oscar, even though a lot of the work was totally done by Quentin Tarantino, right? Um, uh, and with the score as well, like how much of that was Tarantino telling him exactly what to play and showing him what he wanted him to do versus how much was that guy's choices influencing the movie? We don't know any of that. The Academy doesn't know any of that. Um, maybe they know more than we do. They probably do. But it's like, so we're starting to like put these lines in, uh, in just ran- like uh, seemingly random places for some of them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, see, that's the thing, because when you, like, bring up someone like Tarantino or someone like uh, Wes Anderson, I actually think it is much more straightforward for us to compare auteur films than it is to compare, say, a Clint Eastwood film or, you know, the, uh, you know, Catherine Bigelow's whatever, because of the level of involvement of the, the auteur on the entire film. Yeah. And so... Like it becomes much more clear to see that this is this is that person's film, and when you try and cut it down, you run into these weird and arbitrary lines. And I I think you're right. I think that it's really hard to know where those lines are when we have you know these large bodies that are involved in the process and and they're made up of a bunch of different units. Like it's yeah, and and not to mention like the the subtlety of the relationship between all of these things. So the sound editing would not be very good if the sound mixing was not very good. Yep. Right? So, uh, and same with the acting will not be very good if the direction is terrible because the director and the actor have a relationship that's formed between them, you know? So it's almost like I would rather see a category, or I think a more honest category would be relationship between director and actor. Well, right? I mean, I th- because because then it's like, oh, we're giving an award to these two people who worked together to create this beautiful thing instead of this, like the actor gets the award, even though the director really worked him and pushed it out of him and made him do all this work. Uh, it was Matt Damon who gets nominated or wins or whatever. Well, see, and that's the thing, like best director, I think, in an ideal world would go to the director who best was able to navigate all these disparate parts, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like because because the director is supposed to be the through thread through all these different sorts of categories. But do we think that the best director goes to goes to that person every year, like the the person who is best involved in all parts of the process? Well, I, I mean, 
look through the history of it. Best picture and best director get paired pretty consistently. Like, Do they? they? Well, yeah. I mean, so, you know, like Birdman uh, won both. 12 Years a Slave and Gravity s- split it. Argo, Life of Pi. But then The Artist uh, won it both. Won both. King's Speech won both. Hurt Locker won both. Slumdog Millionaire won both. No Country, Departed, Million Dollar Baby, Return of the King. These all won both categories. Wow. And as, as if to say that, well, a film, that whatever gets best picture is, is going to get best director as well. They're, they yeah, go hand right. in like, hand. Like Forrest Gump, Schindler's List. Did Schindler's yeah. List win best picture that year? It did. Yeah, yeah it did. Right. Yeah. So it does seem to, to stay paired. So it's almost like why bother giving out one of each? But I guess sometimes it splits. So that's why they do but, it. But the question is, like, what is the split, right? Like, best yeah, o- the, the best overall film versus the best... Feel like like it's not like for for twelve years a slave they went through they went to the the director and they said okay who's everybody you worked with and then they talked with everybody that, that the director worked with and asked you know how how well the relationships worked and how coherent they were and, and how good of a director how, what what was the direction they gave you and and is that yeah. what you use or did you ignore them and do your own thing and that's how you won <laughs> like yeah. yeah. And so, That's true, yeah. so it's this weird question of of what what we're doing when we give best director at all. And maybe it goes back to the history where where best director is the overall best director who held his movie together the best and therefore basically made the best picture. And best picture is left over from when there was best comedy and best drama or whatever, best serious one and best comedy. Um and so once they got rid of best comedy, it just became best picture. Even though it's no longer as relevant because that's what best director really is, is it's the best overall cohesive direction of a film. I guess, yeah. Right? Because now best picture is like the category doesn't make any sense. Like I mean, best overall movie. That's what we're that's what we're basing this on. So including so so shouldn't it be the movie that just won the most Oscars in other categories? Like like, cause that that's obviously the best one because it had the best this, the best that, the best this, the best that. So therefore, it had the best picture overall. Like, shouldn't it be something that simple? But instead, it seems to be just the way we as human beings judge everything, which is based on our own personal reason. And so 6,000 people vote for the movie they liked best, and that's the one that wins. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. Like, and I don't, like, I, I get it. Like, I keep trying to come up with, a, you know, my, my top 10 films of all time list. Yeah. Like just, you know, Steven's list. And I mean, like I will frequently say, oh yeah, that movie's in my top 10. I probably have like 20 films in, in, in my life that I've said that about. <laughs> yeah, 20 movies in your top 10, totally. Yeah. And again, like, like, like this is the other thing with best pictures. It's like, man, uh, best picture, because it is so abstract, changes based on how I'm feeling, man. Like what is the best movie right now? Well, right now I feel like, you know, it might even be Inside Out. It was such a good movie. <laughs> I feel good. I feel good about that movie. <laughs> I I don't even mind that in in a lot of cases, right? Like if I asked you to give me your top 5 t- films, um oh. or or act as we've done before, ask you your favorite film in a set category or something like that, mm-hmm. and you tell it to me, then I that's useful information for me. Why? Because I know you. I know the things that you like and dislike, and it and it tells me something about that film and how my relationship to it might be. Yeah. When the Academy does it, I don't I don't know what to say. Like Spotlight won this year. Great. Like I don't. That doesn't tell me anything in comparison to the prior films that have won it. 
because totally. it's 6,000 random people who have just come up with, with this sort of selection based on, you know, an arcane process. And, and, and like even going back in history, like just nominees, like, like Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture. Disney's. No, it, no, it wasn't. It totally was. That you're kidding me. No, go back to whenever Beauty and the Beast came out, probably in like the 90s. Was it in the 90s? Yeah, you're right. 91, Beauty 91, and the Beast. 91, Beauty and the Beast. So it was Beauty against and the Beast Silence was against of the, Lambs. the Silence of the Lambs. So, oh, which is going to win? <laughs> but if you told me Beauty and the Beast won Best Picture, and I know it's an animated Disney film, and I hate cartoons, let's say, or I'm not a child, uh, am I going to watch that movie? No. So your, your award means nothing. Um, giving it to Sounds of the Lambs is similar because it is sort of a, a more, uh, it's a suspense kind of thriller film. So if I don't like suspense movies or thrillers because they make me feel uncomfortable, I'm not going to watch that. So your award is 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 wasted on that film because I don't know, and, and because it changes from year to year, like Dances with Wolves to Silence of the Lambs. Like those are very different movies. And Driving Miss Daisy, Rain Man. Like, like when you go start going further back, it's like, man, all these movies are so different. <laughs> Amadeus one. That was a good movie, though. That was a good movie. But, but, and, but like, uh, that's and the... so did Rocky. Let's compare Rocky and Beauty and the Beast. Well, and, and I, I, I think that gets to, I mean, maybe there was, there was a point in th- throughout this where, where there is something more grounding these, these categories. I don't, I don't know. Like, one of the one of the things that I've always wanted to do is go see every best picture nominee. Just watch them all, mm-hmm. and and some of these are just completely inaccessible um, in yeah. in this day and age, or very difficult to to get access to. But I don't like I I, I don't know how many of these are going to be you know films films that stand any sort of test of time as as great and. And how many of them are just films that, you know, were subjectively decided to be great that particular month or whatever. Totally. And so it becomes very hard for us to to do anything with. And and I, th- I think that's kind of the point that you, you and I are getting at is that you and I as individuals can't really do anything with with this information. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't provide us with anything of value that we can use to judge further films or or judge even those films themselves. It's just as if somebody put a golden star on a movie every year and we don't know anything about the criteria around that. And so it's it's useless yeah. except as a pageant. And we should all go watch the 1948 version of Hamlet because it won Best Picture that year. <laughs> Over the treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is probably one of the best. Whatever. I'm not. Anyway, so like, yeah, like what you say is 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 pretty accurate. Then that that uh, all the Oscar really does is tell us who we should pay attention to for the next few years. Okay, I have a somewhat controversial question for you to end Do it. to end this podcast on. Best actor, best actress, best male actor, best female actor. Sorry, uh, the, the one of the lists I was looking at still refers to it as actress, <laughs> supporting actress. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so best actor, best female, best male actor, best female actor, best male supporting actor, best female supporting actor. Is that sexist? Is it sexist? Yes. Okay, it is. Is it appropriate? 
I don't know. Yes. But, 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 but. That's sexist. Okay. Uh, and because the Oscars were so white this year, what if there was best actor, best best white male actor, best black male actor, best white female actor, best <laughs> black female actor? Would that be racist? <laughs> I mean, I think we both know the answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But would it be appropriate? Okay, so I'm going to take a step back because yeah. let's take a step be- back. That's a, I, I told you it was going to be a controversial question to end on. I know but, it's great. I thought you I thought you were a- asking the the minor controversial question, but no, you're asking the bold one. Okay, well, because best actor, I mean, personally, best actor, best actress, I think is 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 uh, at this point we should either broaden that category to include a lot more types of people than just male female. Like that's the only division we're making between between humans. Um, or just get rid of it and just just give it out to the best performance by someone in a leading role. So the reason that I like the division um, or that I accept the division is because, and we've talked about this before, how men get to play more um, a broader variety of roles. They They, in a lot of ways, get to be more human on screen than women do. Yeah. As a result, we have more... Uh, we have more examples of of men who I think are able to play um, or 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 are able to fit into this um, subjective category of best male actor of the year. There's just more of them. Yes, um, definitely. because because it's easier. Blah blah blah. Um, and so as a result, I think that if we were to shrink that into a single category, you would have fewer women winning than men winning. Not even winning, being nominated. Sorry, being nominated than men being nominated. Yeah, than men being nominated, and which would lead to probably more men winning. If there are more men on the ballot than there are women, it's a higher likelihood that it's going to a man. Yeah, great. So that's why you like the division. That's why I like the division. But then when you ask the same question for uh, diff- different questions of race and ethnicity, my back goes up against a wall and I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't we can't do that. That seems totally un, unreasonable and racist. Mm-hmm. And but and I don't know. Would it, I don't would know it not, why. But would it not mean that uh, because right now because there's only actor and actress. Yeah. Sorry, actor and female actor, male actor, female actor. That men and women win. But look at what happened. It was all white men that get nominated because there are just more white men. Uh, roles in Hollywood, and white men are able to play roles that other uh, that black men are not able to play, or other races for that matter, like Asian people and and so on and so forth. Like I think uh, there's on there's two Asian act uh, female actors that get roles <laughs> or something, you know, like like it's it's the list is not very long. And so if we were to make categories that opened up that possibility, so best uh, best performance by a black male actor in a leading role would there then not be more nominated black men and therefore more films made with black male leads in order to get nominated and then try and win see and that's that's exactly the point like that that seems like a compelling argument if you accept the division between men and women and yeah and that's where that's where i say that's where i say if we're going to divide it between humans based on sex 
but that's the only thing we're going to divide it based on. That's the, that's like, that seems sexist. If they don't divide it at all, then it's like, fair enough. There's just one award for the best performance and one award for the best supporting performance. Wonderful. That sounds great. Or it's like, okay, there's only one award for a best performance, but we give it out to three people. Because <laughs> really, really saying best male actor and best female actor means that there are two best actors. So neither of them is the best. They're just the best of their gender. So why isn't there the best of a race or the best of a preference even? Like, why not best gay actor? Like, why is it, why are we only dividing based on sex? Well, and I mean, I, again, I'm, man, if, when I say this, this is the kind of clip that can get taken out of context. But just because it's sexist doesn't mean it's bad. Like, this, this, this is one of my, my problems with when people say, say, like, oh, that's reverse racism. Right. Or that's reverse sexism. Well, no, it's, it's not. It's sexist Whatever. or it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And and we have th there are certain instances where where we we make choices based on on gender, based on race that aren't aren't in themselves inherently bad. Um, now, whether or not this this instance of them where we divide men and women for the purposes of uh uh, Oscars is bad. That's a question. But I think that there are times where, you know, we can point to sorts of divisions and go, that's, that's not terrible. And we're doing it. We're doing it for good reasons. Yeah, like, uh, like, like the Olympics separates male and female athletes. And there's somewhat a, a logic to that, because men's bodies are different physically than female bodies. And so it would always be a man winning because of the muscle mass that men can build faster than women, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when it comes to acting, it's not like there's a difference. There, there's like other than the fact that there aren't enough leading female roles in Hollywood, there isn't a difference between the men and the women as far as their ability to act. And so we've have this category for female lead because otherwise men would. You're, I think you're you're absolutely right. If there wasn't a category, then mostly men would win. And so we've opened it up. Uh, what do you, what do you call it? Is it is it affirmative action the term I'm thinking of? Where you're taking action to make to, to help balance out an inequality, you know? So sure. yeah. so like you have to hire uh, X percentage of of uh, of um, you know, non-white people at your job, you know, like those kind of if, uh, rules that you put on yourself. So that seems like what best actress or best female actor is uh, there for. And it works. So why don't we keep opening it up and give out like 40 awards for every possible race, gender combination? And it, of course, everyone is going to agree that there is something that sounds absurd about that, which... Yeah, there is. There really is. <laughs> but but that makes that makes an an interesting interesting case about where we draw the lines between what's appropriate and what's not and yeah. and like i don't even think i i don't agree that we should do that but uh why aren't we if we're willing to draw the line here yeah and and i i don't have a, an answer that goes beyond just this you know this feeling it, that yeah, it feels one bad. of them feels feels like it's it's an appropriate sort of limitation that accounts for an inequality in the system and one of them doesn't yeah like i mean like let's 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 face it like in maybe not in the next few years i highly doubt in the next few years but in the next 10 10 years 15 years 20 years however far you need to go uh 
someone who is uh, a transgendered neutral uh, person is going to do an amazing role in a film, right? They are going to nail it. And they're going to be prefer to be a they, not a her or a he. And when we want to nominate them for an Oscar, we can't because we don't have a category for that. Because we decided to draw the line between gender and or between sex, not even gender, just sex. Uh, and so this person who prefers to be a them uh, is now out of the Oscars. So why don't we just get rid of this distinction between sex and just give it up for the best performance by a human in a film? Like then like we don't we don't make the distinction between best performance by a male director and a female director or a male makeup artist and a female makeup artist. Like the only place we do it is with actor. Uh, and that is, that seems that, that seems kind of absurd to me. You know, there, there are ways that, that it could be done that are more, more fair. Like, I think that if you're going to have five nominees, I just five nominees, you're going to run into the same trouble uh, or that trouble where, um, you know, mostly men are going to get nominated. But if you had, you know, 10 nominees, five were men, five were women, and then you chose the best actor out of that, I I think that, uh, I mean, certainly there are some years that I'm looking back here. Like, I would say that Natalie Portman would have beaten Colin Firth back in Against the King's Speech. Mm-hmm. I think Helen Mirren would have beaten Forrest Whitaker. Like, I think that there are there are definitely instances where women would would have uh, as equal a chance as a, a man of winning if it were stacked fairly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, I maybe... think I think in the last, especially the last 10 years, like if you go back a little bit further than that and we get to like, like share won an award in Moonstruck. Don't you ever insult Moonstruck. It's an amazing oh, no, film. But Cher as an actress won an award. Um, but then you do get, you know, your Meryl Streep, Sally Field, like definitely like, yeah, great. But some of these, it's like, uh, like, oh, like Kathy Bates. Definitely. Uh, that was a fantastic performance in Misery. I don't know who she was up against in the nineties. Do you know who, who was the male in the nineties? I don't have, I do not have it. Anyway, uh, but like, uh, or like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Totally, totally should have, should have won that year probably against whoever, because she was great in that film. She was um, against Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, but then when you look at the... For Silence of the Lambs. She was against Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think she would have won still. Maybe Hopkins would have taken it. But but regardless, when we, and then when we start getting into like these 90s eras, it's like, uh, I don't even know who Jessica Lange is or Holly Hunter. Like, are they still acting? Like, did they... Did this? Did their career take a huge boost? Like, what happened to Helen Hunt? Or oh, I haven't seen her in forever. And has Gwyneth Paltrow really been benefiting from winning her oh, uh, Oscar for Shakespeare in Love, or is she still playing Tony Stark's assistant? Well, see, and and that's an interesting question about what happens afterwards that I would be interested in seeing because in a lot of ways it seems like for a male actor, an Oscar can really throw you into a bunch of new roles, and for a lot of these looking at here, it might be that an Oscar is an end point. Yeah, like Charlize Theron did not end when, when she won for Monster. But it did. it's not like it affected her career in a huge way. Uh, Hilary Swank, I don't know what she's been doing. Reese Witherspoon? Legally Blonde 4? I don't know what she's doing. Well, and I, I think you're right. There's a broader question to, to what happens or what are the results of, of winning an Oscar mm-hmm. there. 
but and and would if we just combined best uh, female actor and male actor into one best actor award, uh, would that then mean that the winning of a an actor award for a female is an equal opportunity to that of winning uh, when a male wins one? I don't know. Or is Hollywood still is Hollywood? Like, I mean, it's pretty straightforward that Hollywood is incredibly sexist. Like, we, we, we're not under any illusions about that. And would that fix it? Would it fix it? That, I mean, no, probably but not. But, but would, would it be a path? helpful factor? Yeah, would it start us on the path to it or no? And I, I think you're right. I think that, uh, I, I think that there, is, there is a compelling argument that that would be a very good thing. I mean, I guess the, the, the worry would be, you know, that we have like was Catherine Biglow the first female best director? <laughs> like well, I think she was. Maybe. <laughs> like that's what seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Why don't we have a yeah? Why don't we have a best female director then? Well, yeah. I mean, we're we're okay giving it to more than one person. You know, like we gave the Coen Brothers an Oscar as a duo. So why don't we give out two best directors, one to a man, one to a woman? Or one to a black man, one to a white man, one to a black woman, one to a white woman, one to an Asian man, one to an Asian woman, et cetera, et cetera, as the list goes on. Oh, Dave Morris ask, asking the tough questions. Hey, you know, I mean, if someone's made it this far in our podcast, they're ready for some controversy, and I just want to find out. I mean, I don't, I don't have a good answer to any of these questions, but uh, my solution would be to just take gender out of the equation completely the way we do with everything. And stop making this distinction between actor and actress. The way we do with everything. Dave says. <laughs> what? <laughs> the way we do with everything? What? Oh, no. Yeah, no the way totally. we do. Like, with the, the way the we idealized do. idealized version. I meant everything as in all the other Oscars. You know, uh, we give one best director. We give one adapted screenplay. We don't give uh, an adapted screenplay by a woman and adapted screenplay by a man. Like, we don't do that distinction with any of the other Oscars except with the um, uh, actor. And I think we should just get rid of that. Get rid of that or open it up so that uh, instead of best female and male, we make it best black and best white. Like, let's just do it. Like, why Why are we d- distinguishing between people in such a stupid way? Um, is that a great place to end, that incredible controversy and that huge question? <laughs> yeah. Because I, uh, I think it is. I think it is. Because the Oscars uh, often, I, th- I would say this, I would make this statement, often the Oscars make us, as film goers and film watchers, ask more questions than it answers. We don't say, aha, at last we know who the best blank is. Instead we go, aha, now why is that the best blank? I don't understand. <laughs> we had a great ending line, and then you continued on. <laughs> hey, that's a, it's like an Oscar speech. 